1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And verse number 13. Very common verse, I'm sure, when I begin to read, that you will readily identify with. But one that the Lord has been speaking to my heart about for several days, and I just feel like it would be a good thing to share with you tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13, it reads like this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And everybody said, Amen. That ought to be enough right there to send some of you home feeling better. There hath no temptation, there hath no trial. You can translate that word either way. Trial or temptation. Neither one of them have taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not, everybody say, He will not. He will not suffer you. Everybody say, me. Me. He will not suffer me to be tempted above what you are able. Amen. Now, if you're going to believe anything, you better believe that right there. He will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And that re I want you to say it again, that you, everybody say that you, that me, that I might be able to bear it. And everybody said amen. I want to talk to you about something good to remember when you are in trouble. Everybody said amen again. God bless you. You may be seated. If you've ever traveled to New York City, you no doubt got to experience something that is unique to that area of our country, and that is the use of subways not there, perhaps Washington, D.C., or maybe somewhere else, but those are two places that I know have wonderful subway systems that operate beneath the ground, and you can get on in one location and not see where you're going and not know exactly where you're at all the time, but if you stay on the line, it will get you uh, to the destination that you desire but if you go into that subway when you get down beneath the ground where there is a mass of tunnels and passages that lead this way and that it is very easy to get confused and it is very easy to lose your way because there are so many options and there are so many uh, passages that lead here and there. And so they have signs uh, posted uh, in, in many areas that point 
the way out so that you will never find yourself in a situation where you don't know how to get out of that underground system. And I remember when we were in Washington, D.C. a few years ago, uh, we, we took the subway system down to the monument area. And I, I remember we had to make an interchange at one particular junction in that city. And when we got off of the subway, there are subways going every which way. And there are passages. And it was very easy to get confused. And if I remember correctly, we did at least one time get uh, a little bit turned around and finally we got our bearings and we got on the right set of elevators and we got moved over to the right place and we got on the right uh, uh, subway going on to where our destination was. But that's, that's the way it is uh, in that situation. And so there are signs that are put out everywhere to help direct you in your passageway. And in life, There are many times when we find ourselves in a place from which we do not know where or how to navigate ourselves. There are doors and passages and options everywhere, but we don't know which one is the right one and which way is the right way. We don't know which one of those necessarily it will lead us to where we need to go and where we need to be. And so life is often like that. We get crowded in and the rush of living presses in on us. And it seems that we could easily lose our way. Somehow I, I believe that was exactly the feeling and the situation that Paul was trying to address in our text. If you read the uh, 10th chapter, there are some very uh, important admonitions that are given to God's people. But this verse in particular stands out at me because it seems from the context of what is stated that Paul is addressing a state of confusion in the lives of some people or someone. Perhaps someone had written him a letter or somebody had sent him a note and they were confused living there in Corinth. Someone, maybe more than one, perhaps all of them, was finding it hard, very hard, to live there in that evil city, in that evil environment, as Jesus would want them to live. And they were confused. Someone, no doubt, was having a difficult time keeping their footing and knowing what to do in an unchristian environment. There were perhaps those who felt that they were not making very good progress in living for God and they were not getting any better but rather they were going uh, getting worse or some perhaps thought that instead of going forward they were actually going backwards or perhaps there were those who felt they were only going in circles and so somebody 
evidently brought to Paul's attention the struggle that was going on in the minds and the hearts of people about what was happening to them, what they were going through. There were appetites and passions and, and desires that no doubt had, uh, uh, had resurrected themselves in some of these good people. Things that they perhaps thought had long been dead had resurrected themselves. And they thought that they had said goodbye to that a long time ago. And now here it is resurfacing. Have you ever been at a place in your life when something that you thought you had dealt with years ago, maybe a passion or a desire or a feeling or a thought, all of a sudden it resurfaces in your life and you're wondering, what in the world is going on? What have I done wrong? Where have I made the wrong turn? And so it is with these here in, in Corinth. Somebody evidently felt like things were not as they ought to be. Things were that, that, that they thought they had put away and they had suppressed in their life was making a new appearance and they were having to deal with these things. And perhaps there were desires that they long thought were dead. Suddenly they reappeared in their life and they were wrestling with that. Has anybody ever been at that place in your life where something you repented of years ago or weeks ago or long, long time past, all of a sudden those feelings resurrect themselves and somehow they reappear in your life and you're wondering, oh God, what is this all about? And we are tempted, we are tried, we, we go through a time of struggle in our life when we, we feel like something must be wrong with us. And we feel that we perhaps have made a wrong turn. Maybe it wasn't temptation that was, they were dealing with. Maybe it wasn't a desire that they had suppressed that had come back to life. Maybe it was the trials of life. Maybe they were just going through some things that they couldn't make sense of, that didn't make sense. Maybe they were just going through some tests in their life. You know, life uh, is a testing situation. And here they are going through these trials, encountering these tests. And things happen that made them wonder what is wrong in me. What is wrong with me? What is this all about? I think most of us probably can identify with these people here in Corinth in the situation that they were facing. Time when we feel that we are not any better than we were when we first began. Anybody ever feel that way? Ever Anybody ever get to a point in your walk with God that you feel like, you know what, I'm not any closer to God today than I was when I started this thing. Such is as common to man. We are still liable to the intrusions of the flesh. And we are still liable to evil spirits that will come against us. And we many times are embarrassed by our lack of progress. Some are of the mind and of the mood that they are in fear of caving in and perhaps going back. Maybe the world, its fashion, its desires, its compromises were wearing them down to where they felt they could not stand up any longer. It was eating away at their defenses let us look at how Paul addressed 
the issues that they were facing. He said, first of all, he assures them that what they are lamenting over and what they are wondering about and what they are questioning is something that is common to all people. Everybody say common. Common. Say it again. Common. It means everybody has a taste of it. Everybody experiences that person that felt like they were the lone ranger. Nobody else is having to deal with this. Nobody else is going through what I'm going through. Paul came to tell these timid people or these confused minds that there is nothing that is happening to you but such as is common to man. Now, we don't like to believe that. We like to believe that our unique situation is that. It's unique. Nobody knows the trouble I'm in. Nobody knows the trouble I'm going through. Nobody knows the problems that I'm dealing with. Nobody can understand me. But Paul flatly said, now he was not trying to berate them. And he was not trying to belittle their trouble. He said, I'm just here to tell you that not one thing that you're going through is unique to you. That ought to be a, there ought to be a sigh of relief come up from somebody in this building. Because the devil has convinced somebody sitting on these pews right now that there is nobody like you. There's nobody as weak as you. There's nobody as carnal as you. There's nobody that's more worldly or worldly-minded. There's nobody that's struggling like you. There's nobody as weak as you. There's nobody as backward as you. There's nobody that's made more or littler progress than you have. You need to hear me tonight when I tell you that what you are going through is not a unique situation. It is common to every person in this building. Amen. The person who feels like they are alone in their feelings of weakness about yourself should be encouraged by Paul's word. The private thoughts that we have of our own failures, that they are unique. Brother Hughes, nobody struggles like I struggle. Nobody, nobody is as weak as I am. Nobody is as messed up as I am. Paul said, I just want to correct your thinking. I want to, I want to let you in on a secret that there is nothing that has happened to you but such as is common to man. The devil would like to make you think that you're the only one in the world going through that and so nobody will understand what's going on in your life. Make you feel like you're the only one and Brother Hughes doesn't understand. He never will understand. He doesn't know what it's like. And you know what? I don't know your particular situation, but I do know this. Whatever you're going through, the spirit behind it, it may be a different looking test, but it's motivated by the same spirit. It has the same author. It has the same beginner. And whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, that same thing is what everybody else in this building 
has had to or is dealing with in their personal life right now. Don't buy into the lie that the devil perpetrates to people that their problem is unique. Their problem is unique. Your problems may be different, but they are not unique. It is a great thing to realize that you are not alone. Amen. You know how, you, you know how the wolf or the, the, the prey, the, the animal that preys on the sheep, you know how they get those sheep and are able to uh, eat them up and devour them? They single them out of the flock. They find a sheep that's weak or lingering or, or laudering or being careless or as sheep often are not paying attention. And they isolate them from the rest of the herd until they are alone. And once they are alone and they realize they are alone, they give up. They don't even fight. They don't even resist because they feel like they're alone. And that's the same thing the devil does to us. He tries to get us marginalized somewhere over in our little world with our problems and our troubles and our trials and our temptation. And when you look around, you think, oh God, there's nobody here to help me. And the next thing you know, we give up in our mind. We give up in our spirit. We throw up our hands and say, what's the use? I might as well go ahead and do it. When the truth is, whatever you're going through is nothing new, nothing new, nothing new. Now, I know that's letting the air out of some of your sails because sometimes people pride themselves in having unique problems. And I'm not here to belittle your problems. I'm not, I have problems, believe it or not. People don't think that preachers have problems. Preachers have problems all the time. Matter of fact, I have not only my problems, I have your problems to deal with. So it's easy to get to thinking sometime, and the devil works off of that. The devil works off of getting you isolated, thinking that, you know what, you must have done something wrong. God must be angry at you now. Look at all that's going wrong in your life. Look at all that's happening in your life. Somewhere you've messed up. Somewhere you missed the boat. You, you could not be in the will of God and be going through all of this. I've come to tell you, you can be in the will of God and be going through a storm. You can be in the will of God and be in the middle of the darkest night of your life. You can be in the will of God and be laid over on a rock in a place called Gethsemane. You can be in the will of God and feel like you're dying inside. Just because you are going through a trial does not mean you're not in the will of God. Somebody ought to clap their hands to the Lord. Somebody ought to say amen. Hallelujah. Paul said, I want to, I want to correct the faultiness of your thinking. You're not alone in this. You're, you're not the only one. And when you understand that you're not alone, that you are not there all by yourself, you're not the only one going through things like this. It helps you. You're not the only one who has ever had that sense of loss or 
that sense of being nothing or that sense of failure or that feeling of being a misfit or a mistake. You're not the only one that's ever felt that. Paul said, don't let the devil trip you up. There is a commonness in life. As different as we are, as uniquely different as we are, God made all of us individuals, fingerprints, and all of that, voice prints, characteristics. None of us are alike. And yet, in, in spite of that, in the, all of those differences, there is a similarity of things that we all face. Life is the same for all of us. And when Paul said that no temptation had come upon you, but such as is common to men, he was not giving us an excuse to give up or even to continue in our miserable state. He's not saying, well, that's just the way life is. Just take it, suck it up, just face it like a man. That's not what he was saying. He wasn't trying to belittle them or beat them down. He certainly was not telling them that they could never be anything more than a failure. He was trying to point them to something else. And you've got to get to that something else. He said, what you're going through is common to man. The devil wants to make all of us think that what we are going through, we're the only one facing it. And he said, I want to tell you differently. I want you to understand that there is much in life that is lived in the dark but that doesn't mean God doesn't know where you are or what you're going through. There is much in life where you don't know what the next step is or what your next move is. And sometimes we don't know exactly where we're at. We feel like we're in a room and the lights are out and we're just feeling around trying to find where the switch is. Paul said that is life many times. But that doesn't mean that you're out of the will of God. And it certainly doesn't mean God is not working. I saw a little poster the other day I wanted to get and put up in the office. It said the light at the end of the tunnel has been turned out because... Of cutbacks. And that's the way a lot of people feel. They feel like they've been trying to get out of this mess. They've been trying to get through this problem. They, and then all of a sudden it's just dark. The lights are out. Well, I'm here to tell you that that is not the truth. There is no cutback in God's economy. There is no economic meltdown in God's economy. God said, there is nothing that has hit you but such as is common to man. And then I like what Paul said. He had to remind them of God's faithfulness. He said, God is faithful. When you need, what you need to know in a time of trouble is that God is forever the same. God is forever the same. He said, He is faithful. And then he goes on and makes some statements about their trial that I have been just eating up ever since I saw it and I began to look at it in that way. But he said that God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. So number one, he said not only is God faithful, but God is going to temper Whatever comes into your life. 
It may be common to everybody. But God is going to temper that to your unique personality. Because some of us are of a stronger countenance than others. Some of us have more determination than others. And so God said, I'm going to take that trial and I'm going to take you. I know who you are. I made you. I know what you're made up of. And I am going to temper that so it will not be more than you can bear. Do you hear me tonight? Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? That God is so meticulous in His care of His people that He knows me uniquely. And when trial comes, though it's common to everybody, He is going to temper that to me personally so it will not be more than I can bear. My goodness, why would you not want to be faithful and serve a God like that? Who would not just let a trial come indiscriminately because I'm here to tell you that some of the things that you're going through that you're standing up to would probably blow me down. And there are things that maybe I could stand up to if we just had, if it were just even handed and it was the same trial. And, and, and there was no discrimination. It would bowl us over. But God said, I'm not going to let that happen. Trials are common. Temptations are common. Testing everybody's going to go through. But he said, this is what you need to remember. I'm going to tailor make that trial. I'm going to take that trouble. I'm going to temper it so that it will never, 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 never be more than you can bear. Goodness gracious. Hallelujah. He said, I'm going to make sure that you will have a way to get out of it. He said, I, you can trust me that I will not let that thing go too far. Woo! God knows what my limits are. Woo! He knows what I'm capable of handling. And God said, you just count on this. I'm faithful. I will not let it go too far. You say, oh, Brother Hughes, I feel like I've pushed as far as I can go. God knows how far he can push you. God knows how far he can let the devil push you. And you hear me tonight. The devil cannot push you one inch further than what God says. And he's not going to push you one inch further than what you can stand. Take that to the bank. Amen. You can count on it. He said, I will tailor make it so that when you get to that point, you're going to know God is faithful and He will not let it go too far. He will not let you be tempted or tried or troubled beyond your ability or beyond your strength of resistance or beyond your power of endurance. Does anybody believe what I'm saying right now? You better believe it. You better get hold of it because that's what God promises me. He will not. He said the temptation or the trial or the test will always be in, in, in accordance with 
and tempered and made and adjusted. That, uh, that's one word that the Greek emphasizes, that he said, I will adjust that trial to you personally. My word, that's like having your own personal thermostat. Don't you wish life was like that? Life is not like that, but God is. God said, Ever, you, you're going to go through trials. You're going to be tested. You're going to feel like you're like a person in a subway and there's passages everywhere and you're, you're underground. It's dark. You can't see. You, you know, if I can see the sun or I can, if I can just look outside, I can pretty much find my way home. But when you're underground and you don't, you get turned around and they're making twisting turns and now which way's east? Which way's north? Which way's south? Here's a passage. There's a passage. It's good to see a sign that said, this is the way out. And God said, I'm going to make a way out, but on the way out, this is what you need to remember. I'm not going to let you get in a situation that I can't get you out of. Praise God. That's good preaching even if you don't believe it. He said, I'm not going to put anything on you that you cannot bear. I will not suffer you to be tempted above you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. God said, I'm going to make a way. God sent me tonight to tell somebody that He has made a way. I don't care what the devil's telling you. I don't care what people are telling you. I don't care what your circumstances are telling you. I don't care what your flesh is telling you. I don't care what your feeling is telling you. I came to tell somebody tonight, God has already made a way. God has already made a way. God will make a way. God will make a way. God has made a way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was trying to encourage some people going through some tough times to understand that there is a way out. Hallelujah. He said there is a way out. There is a way out. You can take that to the bank. As sure as I'm standing before you tonight, as sure as the sun is going to rise in the morning, as sure as it's going to set in the west tomorrow evening, and as sure as the night is going to turn into day, God has made a way. God has made. How do you know? Because I know Him. I trust Him. And He's never lied to me before. Why should I think He would lie to me now? God has made a way. Say that to somebody. God has made a way. Sometimes we don't know which way to turn. And we don't know what to do next. We don't even know the next step to take. And then a voice from behind us says, this is the way. Walk in it. Let me give someone here tonight a way out. Let me give you a way out tonight. Let me tell you how you can get out. Let me give you some ways that God has made so you can get out. Number one, He has given you His Word. This Bible that you hold 
is more important than any other book in your life. This book right here is more important than the Wall Street Journal or anything on Yahoo or AOL or what Wall Street. It doesn't matter what the gurus are saying. You better understand and hear what does the Word of God say. And you know what? I've come to tell somebody. I have never known anybody that looked into this book that didn't find direction, that didn't find an answer. I've never found anybody that went to that book and came away saying, God didn't show me anything. There's a way in there. God said, I am that way. And if you'll just read my Word, if you'll put that Word in your heart, it will help you it will lead you it'll get you out of that situation sometimes all you can do is just speak the word of God Jesus didn't try to beat the devil up when he came against him he didn't try to get into a fist fight with him he just said the word says man shall not live by bread alone the devil comes back again the second time and again he said the Word says. The Word says. What does the Word say? God said, that's what's going to get you out. You don't have to get in a fight with the devil. You don't have to wrestle him down and take his pitchfork away from him. Just start reading the Word. Start quoting the Word. Start speaking the Word. And the Word of God will be a way out of whatever dilemma you are going through. Amen. Not only is the Word of God a way out, but prayer is a way out. You say, Brother Hughes, I pray. Well, pray again. Well, I prayed. Pray again. Why? Because prayer is a way out. Prayer is a way through. Pray until you pray and then pray a little more. Well, God, I prayed six times and nothing's changed. Then pray the seventh time. Pray again, because prayer works. Why would the Lord command us to do something? Why would He teach us to do something? Why would He Himself do it and it not be a benefit? Pray. You know what I found out? I found out a lot of people lie about prayer. I found out a lot of people lie about prayer. When you ask people, have you prayed about it? I have never had anybody yet look at me and say, no, I hadn't prayed about it. When I know almost beyond a shadow of a doubt, prayer has been the last thing on their mind. But if you ask, oh, yeah, I prayed about it. I don't mean that kind of prayer. I don't mean just as you're passing, just kind of slap something up there. Before. I'm talking about getting down before God and getting business Getting down before God and staying in earnest before Him. Sometimes that's the only way out. You're not going to get out any other way. If you go read the story when He was with His disciples before Gethsemane, He spoke to them and He said, When I told you to go out before with script, I, I, I told you to go out and not take script. I told you to don't take a coat, don't take a part, don't take a staff. Just go out and I'm going to provide for you. He said, whatever town you come into, you bid them Godspeed. And if they welcome you, you let the blessings of God be on that house. And they went out, they did miracles, and God provided for them. Now he's at Gethsemane. 
And he says to them, now you need to take your cloak. Now you need to take your staff. Now you need to take your sword. And they're a little confused. What is he saying? He's saying there comes a point in your Christian life where you got to grow up and realize that God is not going to do everything for you. You're going to have to do some things for yourself. God's not going to make you pray. He's not going to make you be faithful to church. He's not going to make you raise your hand. You're going to have to come in sometime and feel like a bum or feel like the lost person of the world. But lift those hands up anyway because that's the way out. That's the way through. That's the way over. Quit sitting around sucking your thumb waiting for God to fix something when you can fix something by just lifting your hand or lifting your voice or getting down on your knees and keeping on your knees. That's what God said. He said it to me. He said, Mark Hughes, you're a big bellyacher. God ever talked to you like that? He talks to me like that because that's the language that I understand. He said, you're a biggest whiner I've ever heard sometimes. Why? Because I forget all the things that God's done and all I can see is what's wrong. And I want God to fix it all. God said somewhere in life you've got to grow up to understand that there's a point in time where I can do it, but your Christian maturity demands that you do it. God's not going to make me faithful to church. You know, I just don't feel like getting up today. I don't... You know, I, I I think they got some. I got a they got a they got a sale on at the mall. I don't want to miss that. God's not going to make me do that. I have to make myself do those things. And there's, he said, from this point on, things are fixing to change in your life. Uh, you, you're not going to have everything provided for you. You're about to encounter a world that's going to hate your guts and hate everything you stand for. He said, you better have a cloak. Read it. It's in the book of Luke chapter 22. He said, take the cloak. Take your staff. Take a sword with you. He wasn't telling them to take a sword so they could fight. He was saying, you're going to have to do some things for yourself. He was fixing to go into a tomb for three days. And some of them lost their way in three days. Peter said, I go a fishing. He completely lost direction. In three days' time, it seemed he's lost his focus. And he said, you've got to grow up. There's some growing up in all of us that we need. And we pray. We grow up in prayer. We grow up in the Word of God. Oh, God, how did I, how did I get off on all this? We grow up in our worship. Worship is a way out. Worship is a way through. I don't feel like worshiping. You know what I've learned? When I don't feel like it, it's when I need to do it the most. Well, Brother Hughes, I don't get anything out of it. Well, listen, folks, that's not what worship is about. It's not about you. It's not about me. We've made worship about us. Oh, I feel so good. Oh, I feel so wonderful. Worship is about Him. It's about exalting the Lord. It's about putting Him in His rightful place in your life. That your Lord and my praise recognizes you as Lord. That you are sovereign and you are over everything. And my praise honors you as that. That's what worship is. And when I worship Him, that come, there comes to my life a power. When I am faithful. When I, do you understand it? I, I think you do. But faithfulness is a way out. Faithfulness is a way out. 
Do you know what he said to those? He said, well done, thou good and wise servant. Well done, thou good and crafty servant. Well done, thou good and, 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 and what? Faithful servant. You know what? There's nothing glamorous about faithfulness. There's no, no, no reporter going to stand outside the door with a microphone wanting to interview you because of faithfulness. Yeah, there's nobody going to run you down because of faithfulness per se. Faithfulness isn't glamorous, but he said faithfulness is a way through. You know what? There have been times when I didn't feel God for weeks in my prayer life like I like to feel Him. And I, you know, you get to think, well, God, I just can't live like that. I, I'm going to feel something. But I just, you just keep praying. You praying. I remember Brother Kenneth Phillips saying one time that he went for an entire year. If you can believe this, believe it or believe it not. He said, I went for an entire year where I could not feel the presence of God in my life. But he never quit preaching. He never quit pastoring. He never turned in his license. He never gave up his church. You say, Brother Hugh, that sounds like hypocrite to me. No, that's what faithfulness is. Faithfulness keeps you doing things even when you don't feel like. It keeps you praying when you don't feel like praying. It keeps you coming when you don't feel like coming. It keeps you batting when you feel like swinging and striking out. It makes you go back again and again. It makes you send that servant back to the mouth of the cave and say, Look one more time. I know what God spoke to me. And I'm not going to give up until I see an answer. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand together. I better shut up. I've already ran it enough tonight. I'm talking about something to remember when you're in a time of trouble. God is faithful. And He has tempered. He has tempered every trial. He has tempered every test. He has tempered every temptation to my personal life. So that it will never be more than I can bear. God's never going to put me in a situation that I can't get out of. Never. He's never going to leave me alone. Praise God. He's never going to do it. He said, I'm faithful. You need to remember that. Remember God's faithful. So how do you know God's made a way? Because He's faithful. How do you know that he made a way? Because he's made a way. Amen. How many of you tonight know that God has made a way in your life at some previous point in your life? You were facing a situation and there was no way out except God and God made a way. All right. Testimony enough. Amen. Somebody here tonight. The devil has got you so beat down in your mind and your spirit. You think, I just can't do this. I can't, I can't live this. Nobody's weaker than me. Nobody's, no, no, nobody struggles like I do. Paul said, oh, let me remind you of the commonness. Everybody in this building is going to face that same enemy, going to face that same test. But we're going to face it tempered to our life. Because God knows what my limits are. And he said, I'm not going to put more on you than you can bear. But he said, I have made a way. 
And I love what he concludes. He said, that you might be able to bear it. Amen. He knows what my load limit is. He, he knows how much I can carry. Praise God. He knows how heavy to load that wagon down. And when it gets to a certain point, he said, that's enough. That's enough. Amen. Why? Because I know that person. And I know what their breaking point is. And I made a promise a long time ago. I'd never put more on them than they could bear. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've made such a promise. I may not see a way out right now, but there's a way out. I I may not see the way through tonight, but there's a way through. If I'll just stay faithful to you, if I'll just keep on keeping on, if I'll just keep my hands lifted, if I'll keep worshiping you, keep loving you, keep working, keep going, there's a way out, there's a way through. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, somebody love him with me right now one more time. Just one good loving. Would you do it? Come on, just lift your voice to him right now and just say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord. 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 Praise God. Praise God. He'll never let it go too far. He'll never let it go too long. He'll never let it pass the limit. Praise God. Oh, come on, reach out to somebody and join hands with them right now. Let's thank God for His promises. Thank you, Lord. I feel you ministering in this place right now.